0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Tonight, I'm going to share with you a message and I wrestled with the titles tonight. Again, I wrestle each week with titles but the title for this evening is called more than a kiss you'll find out what it's about here in just a little bit but before we get to the message let me tell you something that you may not realize many times people can be shocked this is not a part of my message by the way not in my notes but I realize that sometimes when I'm talking to people they are shocked To find out that not everyone thinks like you think. Not everyone wants what you want. Not everyone is trying to achieve the same goals that you may be trying to achieve. And that can shock us. Well, even, do you know that some people don't even like the United States of America? Do you know that? Some people. I mean, sometimes when you share something patriotic with someone, you know, and you don't get the response that you are looking for, it might be, I mean, it might be that you're wrong about something. I don't know. But, but, you know, when you're sharing something that you think should move someone to, yeah, oh, well, some people actually don't like America, okay? So don't be shocked when you run into someone that you're not able to move them or not able to get them stirred up about something or some point in history or some point of, of you know, a hope in the future because not everyone likes the United States of America. That is just a reality. Some people wish, they do, they really wish that they had been born in North Korea. They really wish that they had been born in, in communist China. Well, some of them wish you had been born in communist China, but some of them wish they had been born in communist China, and some are trying to, to, to uh, make sure that, that they, they can you know, have that image. Uh, don't think that's strange, because sometimes when you're talking to people about Jesus, you'll tell them something about him That you think they should go oh wow yeah oh man yes and they just don't why well do you know not everybody loves Jesus do you know that you can say Jesus loves you to some people and it makes them angry it makes them mad it makes them wish that you would shut up it makes you know some people don't believe that churches should even exist Some people believe it ought to be against the law to witness. To take your faith outside of your home. To the streets or to the schools. Some people believe that you should not pray in a public building or on public land. Or have anything to do with God. Not everyone believes what you believe. Not everyone thinks what you think. Not everyone wants what you want. Not everyone is wanting there to be more Jesus or more freedom of speech in the church or in the pulpit, okay? They aren't. Not everyone wants you to have a right to share the gospel outside of your home or even in your home. Do you know in some countries today, Russia was one about a year and a half ago, China's another one, North Korea is another one, and there are many others. In some countries, you are not even allowed by law to invite your own child to a Bible study held in your own home. Isn't that amazing? It's against the law. Not everyone wants what you want. As I said, you can say Jesus loves you to some people, and it will make them mad. You can say America is a great country. And it makes some people angry. They want to argue. They want to fight. They want to you know, uh, tell you all the reasons why God is not good. All the reasons why America is not good. Okay. Now, for those people who do not believe that Jesus is wonderful, Savior, merciful, kind, good, For all those people who really don't want to hear that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life, I am wholly committed to keep telling them. Okay? Because I have seen people change. I have seen people get convicted and change. And I have seen them, you know, days, weeks, months, years later. I've gotten letters, you know, decades later from people I witnessed to that were angry with me, that literally just, just did not, you know, uh, one such man, I, I, I don't know where he is. Somebody might could Googleify him, I don't know, find him. Uh, name's Terry Weiss. I, I, I lived in Germany uh, in, in the same building. We lived in the same apartment complex. I witnessed him constantly, and he was angry. He hated my guts. He wanted to hurt me. He wanted everything he could to prove that I was wrong, and so, but I just kept witnessing. And do you know, years later, after I became pastor here, and that was back in, 19, in, in, in the 70s, I got a letter from him. He found me somehow, and wrote me, and apologized, and told me that 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 my witness would not leave him. You know, maybe he's watching tonight. I don't know. Maybe if not, maybe somebody else knows. He was in 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 the United States Air Force and stationed at Ramstein Air Base in 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 the '70s, specifically '77. This was, and I I, and 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 he simply uh, told me, you know, I got saved after that. Because I got convicted, and I want to apologize for the way that I treated you. You know, and I shunned your witness. People who don't love Jesus, I'm committed to keep telling them. And people who don't love America, I'm committed to keep telling them. Because they might change their mind. Because we live in a great nation. In a wonderful nation with great opportunities. I am so proud to be an American. Amen. so proud to be an american amen thank you so much you know i'm i'm preaching a little bit better than you're amen but that's not a part of my not a part of my message but uh my dad my dad was was raised during the period of time called the great depression and that affected people you know the Great Depression, whenever our nation, you know, uh, went into, I mean, you know, there were no jobs. It was, it was just a very difficult time especially in the years following that, that stock market crash of 1929. I mean, people were literally jumping out of buildings and killing themselves. And, and uh, uh, you know, American businesses and industry was completely destroyed all across America. It was a very difficult period of time for families. And, and you know, they were faced with such tough, such horrible, unimaginable decisions. I've heard the story of my dad being encouraged by his parents to leave home and fend for himself when he was only 10 years old he was the second oldest son of 10 children and uh, so he quit school and uh, never got to go back to school and he started taking care of himself started sleeping from place to place And, uh, you know, he was a strong young man. And he made it. And, uh, you know, he didn't hold any grudges against anyone. He understood, you know, uh, that it was a tough time and and it called for some tough decisions. Uh, He moved away from that small community. But when I was a, a, a youngster, we moved back. And I attended James Bowie. Elementary, junior high, and I graduated from James Bowie High School in Northeast and Rural Northeast, Texas. Uh, James Bowie High School. Sound familiar, huh? Well, you know, when I was a kid, I'd hear the old timers tell how Jim Bowie you know how he made his, he, he got his Bowie knife made in a place called Washington, Arkansas, just a few miles from, from that northeast Texas community that I lived in, not very far from where Pastor Ken pastored in Hope, Arkansas. And, uh, uh, he, and, and then he left Washington, Arkansas and came on down, and he spent the night on the very spot where later uh, that, that school was built and named after him because that's where he camped out on his way to the Alamo wow how neat but that school building uh was also known for something else i would d- didn't realize it when i went there but you know as as, as you would go in the school building there's you know a little little uh concrete uh, uh inset that you know says uh commemorates who actually built the school uh, the school was built out of rocks which were dug from the surrounding land and um Today I found a picture of school. That's that's the schoolhouse. I the school I went to elementary, junior high, and high school there. There uh, wasn't many kids, but uh, we that, that was the gym there on the end, Isn't that neat. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, just a rock school. You've you've seen them, you know. And 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 uh, uh, the school was built by the Works Progress Administration. That's something we don't hear much about anymore. Affectionately in those days and later days known as the WPA. (laughs) The WPA was a program designed by President Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, His administration in 1935 put together this particular program and it was designed to put Americans back to work. Because Americans had no jobs and there was no income and there was nothing to do. And and the infrastructure of America had really deteriorated and and families had been divided. Uh, So so the WPA offered a salary, an average wage, of $41.57 a month to any able-bodied man who was willing to work hard and build bridges, and and build you know roads, and 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 schools, and and public parks, and other uh, government buildings, as they were literally rebuilding America and the infrastructure that had been devastated during the Depression. Uh, the man that was tasked with running the WPA for President Roosevelt was a man named Harry Hopkins. Hopkins. Harry Hopkins. He's a man in history. You may not know much about him, but Hopkins was Roosevelt's chief assistant through his presidential years and he was even called the assistant president of the United States. Isn't that neat? Because he had so much power, and he ran many things. He worked in New York as well prior to working for the, the Roosevelt administration, and he worked uh, in, in, in one of the largest, as it were, type of nonprofit organization helping people in New York find jobs during the Depression, and uh, it, it was it was a very prolific thing. So so when he worked in, and, and, and started working for uh, Roosevelt, he did a number of things, but one of the things he did is he helped to to guide and put the WPA together and to put America back to work and to pay them that's you know who built the school I went to you know and I really thank God for it he had some Harry Hopkins had some deep convictions and he had a long-standing history of wanting to help people and he knew what it would cost but he also knew what it would cost if you didn't help during the early years of World War II, as many of you know, America did not want to get involved. America had gone through a civil war, you know, uh, almost a century earlier. And they just did not want to get involved. All, you know, uh, it, 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 it was you know, really dividing many people in America. Well, the news from other countries about all the horrible things that were going on concentration camps the situations in, in the pacific and all throughout europe they were horrible they were unimaginable yet they were still distant they were so distant in fact that if you did not look at the news if you did not search for it many times you could not find it and you know uh, because again americans did not want to get involved In 1941, things were getting very, very bad in Europe. And so, in January of 1941, 12 months before Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt sent his assistant, Harry Hopkins, to England to meet with the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Winston Churchill. What a man! Winston Churchill understood that Europe and, indeed, Great Britain were in the sights of Hitler and the Nazi regime. And only time stood between them and total defeat. Harry Hopkins observed the devastation in the country in the wake of the constant bombardments. And how close England was to falling. Hopkins saw a land and a people who were tired and they were weary. They were worn mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. They were on what appeared to be their last leg. But he also saw a people that had refused to surrender and were willing to fight to the last one and the last breath to preserve the way of life that they held so dear. Even, in, even against the odds that were overwhelming, and even against the end that looked inevitable, there stood Britain, led by this man, Winston Churchill. On the last night of their meetings in January of 1941, on that cold winter evening, Churchill and Hopkins were given a dinner in Glasgow, Scotland, by the regional director of Scotland. Churchill was, of course, ever fearless. He was a leader. He sat knowing the future of Great Britain and the world was hanging in the balance, and he was wondering what america was going to do because it could go either way after dinner harry hopkins speaking for president franklin roosevelt and therefore for these united states of america harry hopkins offered churchill and england his parting words this is what he said. I suppose you wish to know what I'm going to say to President Roosevelt on my return. Well, I'm going to quote to you one verse from that book of books Whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. And then he added very quietly, even to the end. Observers who were present that night said when they looked at Prime Minister Winston Churchill that there were tears in his eyes and he began to weep because he understood what that meant. During the 1970s, I was fortunate to serve in the United States Air Force for six years. During my enlistment, I was stationed in both England and in Germany for over half of my total enlistment. While I was there, I took this great opportunity to attend university In England, I decided I would concentrate on British literature because it offered me the opportunity to visit so many places like Canterbury and uh, Stratford-on-Avon, Shakespeare's birthplace. And, you uh, you know, we read Chaucer in Canterbury. You know, what a wonderful opportunity. I moved to Germany, and there I decided that while I was there in Germany, I might as well get my history out of the way history 1865 to present (laughs) that's what it was in those days and on the weekends our history classes would spend their time on field trips visiting the battlefields of Europe all throughout Belgium, France, Luxembourg, Germany, Austria all of these things were in a day's drive of where we lived and Visits to these historical World War II battlefields most often included a visit to a memorial cemetery where those who gave their lives in defense of what they believe and in defense of the freedoms that we still enjoy were buried. Row after row after row of white grave markers. Two types of markers. One that you would imagine with, you know, uh, normally a Christian symbol on it. And then one in the Star of David, delineating someone who is of Jewish descent who gave their life on that same battlefield. American soldier memorials filled with thousands and thousands and thousands of rows of these white markers marking the grave sites of America's best, America's bravest, the young men who in that day gave their lives on a foreign battlefield for a cause they felt was worth their life, all because of a covenant that was made by Roosevelt With Churchill through a man named Harry Hopkins when Churchill understood what that would mean the tears came no doubt because of the cost that he realized America was willing to bear in order to fulfill the duties of a shared destiny Standing in those memorials one after the other, after the other, after the other, I caught a sense, listening to my professors, of what the real cost was. For some it cost everything because those young men left home, most of them, believing they would never return. And for those who still lie In those graves across Europe, they never have come home. Covenant. Like the covenant Ruth made with Naomi. Details the duties of a shared destiny. You see, Ruth was a Gentile who was taken in by this Jewish family. And then, when there were no, was no more provision, no more future, Ruth, the Gentile, took the Jewish woman into her house under her provision and cared for her the rest of her life. Covenant. Naomi had nothing to give Ruth in return. But we know how that worked out. We know how World War II worked out. You see, without the help of America, Great Britain would not have stood much longer, would not have won the war, and would probably not exist today, nor would the United States of America. President Roosevelt understood the duties of a shared destiny. Like Ruth. She decided that she and Naomi had a shared destiny. And if Naomi did well, Ruth would do well. And if Ruth did well, Naomi would do well. Roosevelt and Churchill understood the same. Let's take a moment and revisit this passage in Ruth before we pray for our nation and the nations around the world. The world, because of technology, is growing smaller and smaller. And what we do, even here, in this small corner of southeast Texas, what we do here affects the whole world. What we do from this place even tonight reaches around the globe. And it makes a difference. We have a shared destiny. Because as Southeast Texas goes, and as our nation goes, and as the world goes, so it fares with us. I know that we have a promise from God that he has a mansion made without hands waiting for us in eternity. But while we are on this earth, we would do well to realize that we have a shared destiny. And when people are attacked Devastated, destroyed, when families are devalued, when friends and friendships are completely destroyed, we lose. God said it this way mourn with those that mourn, weep with those that weep, and rejoice with those that rejoice. Why? Because, like it or not, we are members of one another. Those of us who are born again, those who accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, are members of the body of Christ in particular. But also because there is only one human race. Only one human race we are members of that human family. Truly we have a shared destiny and if our nation hurts or some other nation of the world hurts, hungers or harbors injustices, it would do us good to not turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to their peril even though the cost might be great Ruth the first chapter most of you know this account you know, Ruth was a Moabitess Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons had moved from the land of Israel into the land of Moab, across around the Dead Sea and over into what is now Jordan. And there in Moab, their two sons married. Elimelech died and later on the two sons died, leaving these three women, Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi. Naomi realized there was no future for her in the land of Moab. And so she says, I'm going back home. I've heard things are better now in Bethlehem, where she was from, in Judea. I'm going to go back there. And so the girl said, let us go with you. And she said, no, no, don't. And both of them said, no, no, we will. And as she started off, you know, she turned to them again and said, listen, don't come with me. There's nothing there for you. I mean, you're, you're, you know, uh, you're, 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 foreign women, You know, uh, there's nothing there for you. The Bible says that the one young lady named Orpah, she kissed her mother-in-law. And the Bible says that Ruth clave to her. There is a difference between kissers and cleavers. There's more to it than just a kiss. More than a... Covenant is more than a kiss. Let's read. When Naomi said, Ruth, please go home. Verse 16, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For whether you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. That's what I saw in those memorials. The duty of a shared destiny. There will I be buried with you. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts between me and you. You and me. Well, You know, contracts are made when there is promise of gain. Covenants are made when there's nothing to gain. But everything to give. It was not up to Great Britain to make a covenant with us. It was not their choice. It never is the choice of those who need. Giving is only the choice of someone who has something to give. Great Britain had nothing to give America. Yet America made covenant. With them here are my takeaways for tonight this is what I would ask you because it's a very serious business where you stand today in your marriage where you stand on your job where you stand with your family your children your grandchildren where you stand with your nation It is serious business where you stand in your friendships. So let me ask you, with all the seriousness that it demands, let me ask you to consider the cost of the covenants you make. Don't make a covenant lightly. If you're going to say, I do, say, I do. Be more than a kisser. Be a cleaver. More than words. As I said, don't just say I do. (laughs) Do. Let's see if you did. Stories will be told about those who did and those who did not. Consider The cost of your commitments to one another to your nation to your friends and to any other pursuit worthy of your life number two once you have considered the cost of the covenants you make work hard to defend the destiny you share with others Let me say it this way. When you marry someone, work hard because you share a destiny with them. How they do, you will do. If they have nothing to give, then you give. When they do not have the choice, you make the choice. When they cannot afford You pay the price for friendships, for communities, and indeed for the nation that God has set you in, wherever that may be, for the cause of Christ, especially to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Consider the cost of the covenant we had nothing to give him. We could not say, please, we, have, we make a covenant with you. We had nothing to give. He came down and said, I want a covenant with you. And he gave everything he had. He considered the cost and he paid the price. Work hard to defend your family. Do not deny your family. Do, do not deny or devalue your friendships. And do not destroy your future. Work hard. Get up early if you must. Stay up late if you must. Work hard to defend the destiny you share with others. You and I share a destiny. Defend the destiny of eternity defend the message of the gospel we share a destiny number three my takeaway would encourage us all to appreciate and respect those who stand beside us appreciate and respect those who stand beside you when someone stands beside you do not think it is without cost When I look up Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings, when I see online those that dared to join us, you know, uh, for most of you, you may not know, but your name pops up there. When I see those who are sharing the destiny It drives me to my knees, and often, as Churchill, it drives me to tears. I stand in awe, realizing what it cost some of you. Willing to share the destiny. Willing to work hard. And therefore, I owe you respect. I appreciate you. I respect you you thank you for standing beside us I respect our law enforcement we share a destiny I respect our first responders we share a destiny I appreciate and respect our military because as they go so I go as they fare so I fare I want them to be fully funded. I want them to be appreciated. I want them to be well-trained. I want them to be lifted up on high, prayed for. I want them to be taken care of. They are vital to the destiny we share. Be thankful and show it. Never forget the price that others pay to walk beside you in life. Someone paid for the opportunity that you have today. Someone shared the cost of your greatest day. Would you join with me right now and let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our shared destinies. Let's pray for the strength Of those who protect us, guide us, watch over us as though they were gifts from God. Lord, tonight we pray, Lord, for our covenant partners and those with whom we share a destiny. Tonight, Lord, we pray for our families, Lord, our spouses, Lord. God, help us to be the covenant partner they need, Lord. Help us, almighty God, to be, Lord, those who give and share, Lord, and those, Father, Lord, not looking for gain, not looking for the promise of getting, but more of the promise of giving, Lord. Teach us to be benevolent and kind and merciful and forgiving, God. Lord, for those that we walk arm in arm with, Lord, those in our family, our friends, Lord, those, God, in our church, Lord. God, we share a destiny with others in our nation. Indeed, Lord, even in this generation, we pray, Lord, for our law enforcement, Lord, for our for firemen lord for our our medical personnel lord we pray for all of those god also lord who serve in any capacity lord as a first responder those lord who who also father bear the sword father in our nation sir those lord who who guide us lord those who guard us lord and those who protect us god our military lord our congress our senate lord our judiciary lord our executive branch our president vice president President. Oh, Lord God, we pray. God, we ask you, sir, intervene, Lord. And God, grant us the grace, Lord, to have peace in our nation and to bring peace, Lord, even in this generation, to be a blessing to others, Lord. God, Help us to preserve, Lord, the valued ways of life, God, that you have so blessed us with, Lord, that we might continue, Father, to honor those who gave their best and their all to keep us free, Lord, and able to share the gospel without fear, Lord, whether on the Internet, Lord, or in our homes or the streets or in schools, Lord. God, Lord, teach us, Father, to be brave, Lord. Teach us, God, to respect and appreciate. God, teach us to consider the cost, Lord, of our commitments, Lord. We ask these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus, who made covenant with us and paid the greatest price. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.